The following program is a paid presentation. The views and or opinions expressed do not necessarily reflect those of the staff and management of KWAM. Jim Shoemaker and David Rochester are registered representatives and investment advisor representatives of Securian Financial Services, Inc. Dane Williams is a registered representative of Securian Financial Services, securities dealer, member FNIRA, SIPC, a registered investment advisor. Shoemaker Financial is independently owned and operated. Welcome to the Variety Hour, where local leaders talk Memphis. Listen to you, move your mouth, I bet you come from way down south. Now don't tell me, let me guess, you're from the town that I love best. Talk Memphis, I wish you would. Talk Memphis, you sound so good. Talk Memphis, high on the bluff, I swear I can't get enough. Welcome to Talk Money, and now here's your host, Jim Shoemaker. Welcome to Talk Money, where we talk about everything financial. Today's program, knowing how much home and auto insurance is enough and at what price to pay is a financial decision that is difficult in today's insurance world. Should price be the most important factor in your decision-making process, or, well, you know, what do you think? Well, the commercials say on TV that price is the key. Well, Dane Williams and Shannon Dyson will help us understand how price and product play out in our overall insurance strategy. How much is enough and what is the correct price to pay? Well, stocks had a sell-off at the end of last week. It was the worst weekly performance for equities in over two years. The volatility in the market seemed focused on political risk. And, and instead of, a, you know, the higher interest rates, maybe we're seeing that tick up. That didn't seem to bother anybody. Investor, investor sentiment will play a major part in determining what's going on in this market. And we know that the market is genuinely concerned about the possibility, and I think a lot of people hear about it, the trade war with China. Many are saying that this trade war would negative, negatively affect global growth and corporate products, and this could play havoc with your retirement plans. Well, as bad as the pullback may feel, it still just pales in comparison to what markets were experiencing this time, would you believe this, 10 years ago during the Bear Stearns collapse. Well, are we at a correction phase? Is the you know all this stuff going on with retirement, is that the problem? Well, obviously we've seen some volatility. So in the second half of the program, we're going to ask David Rochester, who is a retirement income certified professional, some serious questions that, you know, we, what do we need to be answered? They need to be answered before you retire. Questions like, here's, how critical is it to have the right investment in your retirement portfolio? Well, think about it. How important is it to have the right investments in your portfolio for retirement. Well, that's what we're going to be asking David Rochester in the second half of the program. Coming up, Dane Williams, Shannon Dyson, how much home and auto is enough and at what price? I'm Jim Shoemaker. You're listening to The Voice, KWAM 990, FM 107.9. This is Talk Money. Podcasts of Talk Money are available in the iTunes store. Just search Shoemaker Financial. We'll be right back with more Talk Money after this. Investments will fluctuate, and when redeemed, may be worth more or less than when originally invested. And now, back to Talk Money with your host, Jim Shoemaker. And welcome back. I'm Jim Shoemaker, and you're listening to Talk Money. My guest today, Shannon Dyson and Dane Williams. Both of these guys work in the insurance solutions division of the company. And we've got this big, huge question that so many people ask us today. How much is enough 
home and auto insurance in this market today. And then, of course, what is the price? And as I told you earlier, so many times you're watching the commercials on television, and they say price is the key. If you do this, you need to cut the price 20% or whatever. Well, what happens if you cut your price down so much that you don't have the proper amount of insurance? Well, that's what these guys are going to talk about, and uh, I'm looking forward to getting some straight answers with the guys. Welcome to the program, Shane. Thanks, Jim. Dane and Dane and Shane, Shanna and Dane. There you go. That's kind of hard, guys. You know, we we tried to make it a little bit difficult, difficult. for you. Yes, it's good yes. to be here. Thanks for having us. Very good. No, glad to be here as well. Thanks, Jim. Let's start with this, guys, because home auto, and then you tack in that umbrella, is uh, definitely a part of any financial plan or strategy, when a person's trying to put their overall plan together, knowing the proper amount of coverage. So, Shannon, when you think about that, what's the deal? Why is this so important? And reality is, why is it so confusing? Well, you, all you hear on commercials uh, are about price. And so people are nat- naturally uh, driven towards uh, price consciousness anyway. And then when everything is reaffirmed on commercials, price, 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 there's a there's a, a large uh, home and auto uh, producer that you hear price 15 uh, minutes will save you 15%. Everything is talking about uh, price, discounts, price discounts. And so when people come in or we talk to them on the phone, uh, the first thing that we need to talk about is, of course, price is important. Um, but let's start talking about what your actual coverages are uh, because a lot of folks have no idea what they actually have when they, when they first come in and what those coverages mean. Uh, you'll see three numbers. What are those three numbers that are on my insurance card? You know, you just don't know what those are. So that kind of conversation will start the ball rolling in the right direction. So when you start that, is there? Do you get a? Do you feel that people? I mean, I know, I know, I'm price conscious, and so I look at. Okay, I've got to insure my car, and got to insure this or whatever. Um, is there an issue in the city or in the state that says to me that I need to be very conscious of? Which carrier is doing a better job in my state or my area? Or does it make any difference when you shop? And, again, I guess when you're really, you are shopping. That's the key. You're shopping price. So how do you help someone know what to ask and what not to you ask? Yeah, that's our job. So that when, when someone comes in and they say, you know, do I have what I need to have or, or I feel like I'm paying too much, um, it's our job, Dane and myself, to go out into the market and look and see which carriers that we are present. One of the things that – I believe kind of sets us apart from others is that we can shop many different carriers. And so what are the carriers in our in our market? Uh, what are they currently offering? Uh, what are your current coverages? First of all, let's take a look at those. A lot of times people will have very minimum uh, coverages and they don't realize that, you know, if they were to get into an accident, they may not be fully covered like they think they are. And it may not cost that much more money to bump those coverages up to where they need to be. Uh, and so having that type of conversation, especially when it's a part of a financial strategy, um, they have ideas of what they want to do and how they want to retire. Um, making sure that the coverages they have on their home and auto and the liability coverages is a big part of that. That's a, that's a great point. So, Dane, when we brought you into the program, and I wanted to you know rec- welcome again to you from the standpoint of being a part of the program, but home, home auto, and umbrella – it's a part of any financial strategy. Now, here, here's my question. You came out of the financial planning side of the I firm. Did. yeah. And so you really do understand the idea behind putting together a solid financial strategy where a person saying, I have an end goal out here. I'm working towards that. So help us understand why you see moving a career move for you, really. Why is it really that important look at home, auto, umbrella that type of coverage. Absolutely. You know, like you're saying, I've had five years as a financial advisor and making this switch this year was was super important for me because we've seen 
the impact of a loss on the property and casualty side of things, how that can completely derail a financial mm-hmm. plan. A lot of times it's someone's most expensive asset that they have is their home and an incredibly big expense is their cars. And whenever they have to unexpectedly replace that and they don't have adequate coverage, it can completely derail everything we've done on the financial planning side of things. And that is so important. And I have to admit that when we would work together with the financial strategy, we'd sometimes bring in you know an outside person and we'd get a great advice, but we were not really working to diligently. And, and Shannon, when you approached me about trying to put something together on this, I thought this is what we need. It is a part of the overall strategy for anybody. And as Dane, very, very capable, you know, capable individual, a very good part of the team, knowing that overall strategy and how that fits into the plan becomes a critical part for anybody when they're thinking about the overall planning process. Yeah, one of the things that, that we always talked about on the group benefits planning side was that we wanted an employer is paying a lot of money for group benefits. They have a medical plan, they have life insurance, they have disability insurance. They're paying all this money out, and they want their employees uh, to be thankful for it or appreciate what they're doing. And so same thing here. If somebody comes in with coverages that they're paying for, when it comes time for a claim, you don't want to be paying two, three, four hundred dollars a month for coverages that really are not adequate, and then you find that out when it's time for the claim. You want to pay the correct amount of money. Maybe you're spending twenty-five more dollars per month or fifty dollars more per month to have the correct coverages, but you can have the peace of mind to know that when that claim comes, if the claim comes, and you have a total loss or you have an accident uh, that totals your car, that you have the right coverages. You know, when you talk about claims. Claims is part of price. I mean, you know, that's what so many people forget that I I know when we had the fire at the office in 2010, you know, I I went through this process of having to, this was a huge claim. I mean, uh, the whole building was destroyed. And so we go through that thought process. You know, it was one thing we were paying some heavy insurance premiums, but to all of a sudden realize that all, you know, all that's in history now, that's past. Now the real the proof in this in the pudding, as you might say, I've got to sit down with this claim adjuster and begin to rebuild. And uh, I have to say, it was a good experience. I had some great people around me, around me, as you know. Margie did a great job in the office. But but the key was, uh, I don't care how much you've been saving on your premium, if you've got a claim, you've it's a sick feeling to, for them to say, well, you don't you're not covered for this or. You don't have this. or And that's what people need to understand is not just – I understand when somebody says, well, I'm going to pay this lower premium because I'm not going to have a claim. But, boy, you're talking about – you said it, Dane. It can really derail a person's financial strategy. If you just tuned in, my guests, Dane Williams and Shannon Dyson from Insurance Solutions, Schumann Insurance Solutions, we're talking about home, home auto, umbrella insurance, and why. We're talking about insurance when we looked at the price. And the product, and what does that really say, guys? Let me let me ask you this: auto limits. When you're talking about auto insurance limits, they help me out. Yeah, so there are state minimum requirements. You know that uh, every state requires that their their residents have a certain minimum coverage. In the state of Tennessee, uh, that number is twenty five fifty fifteen, and what that means the the first amount is the amount of coverage that the uh, the insurance company is going to pay out for any individual that is injured in their bodily injury. Uh, the second number is for the entire accident, no matter how many individuals, the maximum. And the last number is for property damage, right? So the state of Tennessee only requires $25,000 per individual that gets injured, 50000 for the entire occurrence, and only $15,000 of property damage as a state minimum requirement in Tennessee. When you say property damage, is that the automobile? Is That's, that the, or, or a 
or you know, if you hit a person's fence or, or something. Uh, Co- correct. Either one of those is included. Any type of property that's covered. The state of Mississippi allows you to go up to 25,000 property damage, damage minimum, but that's it. And, and we know in the state of Tennessee, just look on the roads, there are plenty of cars that are worth more than $15,000. And if you reckon to one of those, you're personally liable for everything above that amount. Uh, the, personally liable for everything. If it was your fault, and, and that's the key. That's a problem for a lot of people that they don't really realize it's not just – your car you may have to fix. Mm-hmm. You may have to fix the other. Let's make sure we're real clear about that. The minimum is, say it again. $25,000 uh, for personal injury and for an individual, and then $50,000 for everyone that's involved in the accident, again, bodily injury. And the last number is $15,000 for property damage. All right. Now, I want to make sure we get everybody to help them understand. $25,000 personal injury. Yeah, bo- that's bo- hospital Correct, bodily injury. And it doesn't go bodily through injury. your uh, your health insurance typically. That's a lot of times we'll say an expense is going to be, oh, I paid $4,000 when I went to the hospital. But your health insurance kicked in a lot. If there's an accident like that, it's not going through the other person's health insurance. It's 100% your responsibility. So, okay, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to give you a personal testimony. And this has been quite a few years ago. I uh, had the privilege, and it was definitely a privilege, of a person who I thought was turning decided to stop halfway through the turn. Not their fault because I rear-ended them, and, uh, you know, I got out. I was apologetic. I got a ticket for it, obviously, and uh, we we drove our cars off, okay? And it wasn't a terrible accident, fortunately. Uh, a year later, right right at the year limit, you know, the liability limit, I got uh, about 5 o'clock in the morning, got that proverbial, you know, knock on the door, and uh, I uh, – I, I had no clue, but walked out there. The nicest guy handed me this. Said, You're Jim Shoemaker? And he, I said, Yes. <laughs> Sleepy eyed, you know, somewhat. But he handed me uh, a summons. I had uh, was being sued. And, uh, you know, it was, um, it was an eye opener for me talking about what you're saying because uh, I called my insurance agent at the time, a property and casualty, and I said, Hey, I'm being sued for this accident I remember I had last year, da 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 da. And, uh, you know, everything was fine. He said, you know, I got to tell you, they're suing you for more than your limits. And Mm so I'm going to encourage you to get an attorney yourself. Uh, Totally opened my eyes. And, I mean, I thought I was more than adequately covered. Uh, Now, the end of the story turned out pretty good because, you know, it went away and somebody took care of it. But the reality was it made me understand very quickly. And I was only about 26 years old. And uh, but it was a great lesson because I mean when he said you need to get I thought hey I got insurance no problem and he said you need to get your own personal attorney. That's one of the things that that is so hard to to understand I think is that when you talk about health insurance and there was in 2010 when there was the Affordable Care Act and there was a mandate to have health insurance if you had health insurance then you're covered so if you had a a bad accident and you were to go into the hospital and spend three weeks there. You know, once you bought the insurance, you were covered and you knew that. With with auto insurance, it's just different because you could buy a level of coverage just not knowing what you should have. Um, and if you were to ask, what are the Tennessee state limits? I'll buy that. Um, you're not covered. And so that when you when you have an accident, uh, the worst thing that you can do is, is spend money um, purchasing insurance that you think is going to cover you. And then like in your your case, yours went away. Some do not, well, uh, especially I mean, if you hey, have lower this limits. One, this one may amount of, you know, could have easily not gone away. May, I mean, it totally opened my eyes to that. And that's just why we feel it's, it's so important to have an agent there on your behalf, to be looking and making sure that you have the correct coverage levels. Uh, and when you add that to your financial planning strategy, they can look at that and say, okay, 
you know, it's not going to hurt your budget to spend $50 more to have adequate coverage levels. That's, that's a good point, and especially if you're looking at the overall financial strategy, you got a long-term goal, and the way we're working it now is for you guys to have the opportunity to really spend the energy to help that client get the overall plan and the overall look at that. Here's a question that a lot of people ask about the umbrella coverage, which is that liability coverage overall everything. So, you know, help me out, guys. You know, what is the umbrella coverage? Give me specifics about it. And who should carry it? Well, so umbrella coverage would have come in handy uh, when you had that wreck. Yep. Uh, if that would have moved Two forward. Two weeks later, I had it, by the way. <laughs> if that would have moved forward and they were suing you for more than what your coverage limits were on your auto, um, that is where the umbrella coverage takes over. So uh, most of our clients will look at an, uh, maybe a million-dollar uh, umbrella liability. Um, so if you were to be sued for limits that are above your home or what your auto covers, your your umbrella coverage would kick in, and it's very inexpensive to have an umbrella policy. Uh, if you own a business, uh, if you have nice cars, nice things, we would highly recommend that you have an umbrella coverage, especially for the cost of what you can get it for. So what is cost? Give me some idea just off the top of your head. I mean, I'm not asking you to give me a specific price, but, but an umbrella coverage, because so many people think, well, a million dollars, I mean, what's the deal? So why is it so expensive, inexpensive if it is? And It's usually just a few hundred bucks a year. A lot of times two, three hundred dollars a year will get you a million dollars in coverage. And one of the things that we look at whenever we have some of our, our business owner clients or our medical profession clients if you get an accident and you get out in scrubs and a white coat, a lot of times the person that's gotten the accident with you, they're going to see dollar signs. Yeah. And that may make someone more likely to sue at that point. So it's a big part that we're trying to include in most of our financial plans now. Homeowners insurance, because, uh, you know, uh, we have that typical weather problems in the, in the city where you get the hail damage, wind damage, fire, you know, I mean, that can happen. Uh, so let me talk about that. In, in home, home insurance um how do you do you try to cover total loss or how you know because a lot of times people say well let me take a high deductible uh how do you work that yeah so we want to make sure your home is is covered appropriately first and then we're going to engage in the deductible conversation we want to make sure that just like with your financial plans you're updating that number regularly if you haven't touched your your homeowner's policy in 15 20 years the cost to rebuild your home might have increased drastically so we want to make sure that we're reviewing that coverage and that you've got enough coverage on it to be able to rebuild that home at the level you'd like to see it at. And then we're going to engage in a deductible conversation, and it helps that we have great financial planning and financial advising partners that we're able to work with, and we're able to say, what's our cash flow situation looks like, and are we able to, to afford a certain level of deductible? Well, let me ask you this. You mentioned the word deductible. What does it mean when you see a percentage for a deductible instead of, say, flat number? So on the percentage, this was kind of an eye-opener for me. Um, a lot of times people will come in, and they, a lot, the insurance carriers may separate a deductible. So you may have, let's just say, a $1,000 deductible, um, but you may have what's called a 1% deductible for wind and hail damage, and that's really referring to your roof. So if your roof were to be damaged in a storm uh, by wind or hail, uh, that would have a 1% deductible. All right, let me ask this first, because as soon as I ask that question, I'm thinking, but maybe I might not understand what a deductible is. So help me understand that. So deductible is the dollars that you will pay out of your pocket, out of my the pocket. individual, before the insurance uh, company starts to pay for the claim. Do I have to pay that first? I mean, did I write the check first? Or? It's first dollar. So you'll get the bill. Uh, the bill will go to the insurance carrier, and then you will get the money. You will get less, uh, $1,000 of that's your deductible. You'll pay that $1,000, and then the claim will kick in. Okay. All right. So the 1% on wind and hail. We had a client come in, um, and they said, okay, so basically what that means is that if I need a new roof, 
uh, and my roof costs ten thousand dollars to build to to replace, uh, I pay one percent of that, right? No, that's that's not correct. Uh, you actually pay one percent of the value of the replacement cost of your home, or coverage A is what they call it. So if you have a four hundred thousand dollar home, then you are going to pay one percent of that four hundred thousand dollars or four thousand dollars to get that roof replaced. Uh, not the one percent of the actual, the actual cost, cost of the roof. So that's been uh, something that is very, it's educational uh, process for the for the client um, because they may want to move that to a thousand dollar deductible, which guess what increases the price. But again, you know that when it comes time for a claim, if you should have one, that you're covered properly. That can be an eye opener. Period. Yes. From that standpoint. Well, if you just tuned in, I've been talking with Dane Williams and Shannon Dyson. We're talking about home, auto, and umbrella coverage. When we come back, we're going to find out exactly the final stages. When you think about what are the the risks that we are looking for, and why are you insuring the risk? You know, it's just a matter of knowing what to do and why you're doing it. That's the question we've got to, we're going to be asking them. Coming up in the second half of the program, how critical is it to have the right investments in your retirement portfolio? That's going to be answered by David Rochester, retirement income certified professional. He's going to dive into knowing what you're looking for and what some questions about retirement. Stay with us. I'm Jim Shoemaker. This is KWAM 990 at FM 107.9, radio for the Mid-South, talk radio. This is Talk Money. Be sure to like us on Facebook. Just search Shoemaker Financial. We'll be right back with Talk Money after this. Financial advisors do not provide tax or legal advice, and this information should not be considered as such. Individuals should always consult their tax or legal professionals regarding their own specific situation. And now, back to Talk Money with your host, Jim Shoemaker. Welcome back. I'm Jim Shoemaker. You're listening to Talk Money. My guest, Shannon Dyson, Dane Williams. We're talking about what is the price that you need to be paying in the product when you look at buying something that's protecting your home. Well, and, and Dane said it earlier, that's probably one of the biggest investments most people will make, your auto, and whether or not how to manage around the liability. The word umbrella coverage comes into play when you think about your overall financial strategy. Guys, just, you know, you've been really, you laid it out to us. We've got some things to be careful with. You don't just shop price. You've got to know what the product is. You've got to understand what collision, liability, and comprehensive. There's a lot of words here. And sometimes we get carried away thinking that I'm going to get really great coverage from the one I saw on the television, and I'm going to get a cheap price, and I'm not worried about it. And then all of a sudden, as we've talked about, you have that accident, or you have that fire, something happens, and you've got to I mean, a lot of times it can be devastating to a financial strategy. And, Dane, you really laid that out very specifically. You come from that world, and now you've stepped into helping the planners put together for their clients, your clients, the idea of the overall strategy, looking at some things that people say, I'll protect that sometimes before I'll protect my life. Take care of that. That's been a very unique position for me to be in, and it's different for our clients as well because most – PNC agents around town, it's a pretty transactional thing, but we're able to really educate our clients to make sure that they have the right coverage they need, especially on their cars, that that they're carrying liability limits that are going to make sure that they are protected and their financial strategy is able to remain intact in the event that an accident does happen to them. So it's been a really unique spot for us. I was driving down a particular avenue here in Memphis recently, and the number of people texting uh, on their phones made me aware that uh, scary. It, it, you know, I mean, I'm just thinking, how in the world? Of course, you see a lot of these accidents in the morning drive or the afternoon drive, uh, but that's a liability that a lot of people have. And I guess 
Is there a, you know, we talked a little bit about uninsured motorists and, uh, I know that our states surrounding the, the our listening audience, basically, are in the top ten for uninsured motorists. Not so good. Yeah, the uh, state of Mississippi is second when it comes to uninsured motorists. Tennessee is number five. Um, it, it's a pretty uh, scary spot to be in. Uh, Alabama comes in at six, and Arkansas is nine when it comes to uninsured motorists. Almost one in four uh, drivers on the road are uninsured. Uninsured, not underinsured. When you look at underinsured, that number goes up near 50%. It's a couple different statistics, depend on what you want to look at, but uh, almost half of all drivers on the road are underinsured or uninsured. You know, that's a that's a statistic that I wish was not the case, uh, but especially in the day's world. I have been I have experienced and been and been a part of not not a participant, but a but an observer of some very serious accidents that have caused some deaths. And uh, that is an enormous liability to the person. Uh, it's tragic, and uh, you don't want to be underinsured in that situation from from uh, any type of strategy that you're working when you're looking at your financial picture and your financial life. Shannon, Lee, reality is replacing a home you said was tough and very expensive, uh, and the reality is. Uh, you can't you can't wait till there's smoke coming out of the back door to raise your hand and say I need to insure it. Yeah, that's right. You can't you can't insure your home when it's on fire. That's right. It's a little <laughs> um, too late. A little too late at that point. Uh, one thing though that is kind of to to summarize on what we're talking about as uh, agents that that dig into and see what you currently have and how we can make sure that you're covered properly um, in a t- in event of a total loss like we had at the office. You want to make sure that your home is covered for enough that so you're not having to worry about the price of rebuilding. And a lot of times someone will come into our office um, and they'll have uh, what's called coverage A, which means if my house were to burn down, this is the amount of money the insurance will give me to rebuild my home. Um, that's the most important number that you can look at when you have homeowners. You want to make sure that you are not – you're going to pay a little bit more to make sure that we have the correct level, the correct coverage on your home – um, but you can live with peace of mind knowing that if you were to have a total loss, that you can rebuild the home that your family is going to live in. You can rebuild it the way that you want to. You know, that is, uh, I, I guess people forget that that is an asset, and that is an asset that you're holding. Um, everybody wants to think that never happened to me. It's going to happen to the guy across the street. Insurance is one of those things I think it's a hard thing to work with because uh, I don't want to pay for it because I may never need it. But the day that you do, whether it's life, disability, homeowners, right. you know, any type of insurance, you're putting the risk on the company and taking it off of yourself, and that's a decision. Really, Absolutely. It's a decision. It's a personal decision, but it is one of those that people need to make and not put it off until it's too late because it can be financially devastating. Absolutely. You're spending a lot of money on the home that your family is living in. Uh, you made that decision to purchase a nice home. Uh, make the decision to cover it adequately. Yeah, that's great. You've been listening, of course, to Talk Money. Shannon Dyson and Dane Williams of Shoemaker Insurance Solutions have been part of the program so far. They've done a great job. If you'd like to ask them a question about anything about homeowners, automobile, or their umbrella, anything about collision, comprehension, all those things, medical coverage, just give them a call at 757-5757. We're going to take uh, – well, we're not going to take a break. Let's do this. I've got uh, – we've been talking about this a little bit, the fact that the market has been volatile. And the reality is it has been volatile more this year than it was all of last year so far. And really we're talking about the fact that when we think about it, it's kind of giving us that little bit of concern. Are we in a correction phase? Well, as I mentioned earlier, David Rochester's here, and he is a retirement income certified professional 
We've got a serious question, David, and I want to be sure that we get this to you. And the question, well, first of all, let me say welcome to the program, sir. Thank you, Jim. You know, here's the thing, David. How critical is it to have the right investment portfolio tied together for your retirement plan? I mean, that is with all the volatility, all the sentiment that people hear. It's, is it, you know, technical? Is it economic? Put all that aside. When you're talking with people as the certified professional in retirement income planning, Help me with that. How critical is it to have the right investment? Well, Jim, it's important to have the right portfolio mix. However, what's more important is uh, to make sure that you have made proper decisions on Social Security. When you look at the case of most people are going to have their retirement income made up more of Social Security income than their portfolios, choosing when to retire is really their most important decision. So when you talk about when to retire, so you mentioned, you know, so so are you saying then that having the portfolio is is not something to lose a lot of sleep over? I mean, if you're if you're saying that it's designed to get you to retirement, then just stay with that. And then at the point is when you make the decision to take Social Security or when to retire is more critical. Is that what you're saying? Really, what I'm saying, Jim, is is most people make the assumption that the day they retire is the same day they start taking their Social Security income. And that's not necessarily the case. You can retire and choose to take your Social Security income at a later date. And as we'll probably talk about, there's a benefit to doing that. Well, tell me about that. Let's just ask sure. you that question. Okay, so uh, here's what we see from, from just uh, the um, American College when they're providing information in the Social Security Administration. For each year that a retiree delays taking their Social Security benefit, there is an increase in their future benefit of about 7 to 8% per year. So it's a significant increase in their long-term income, guaranteed income, by delaying taking their Social Security benefit. All right. So here we go. We've got this volatility in the market, and so many people are, you know, that if you're approaching retirement, you get a little concerned about that. The key is that you've got to say, okay, what am I doing? And so choosing Social Security, whether to take or not to take, actually plays a bigger role than just having your portfolio in all stocks or all bonds or a mixture. That's exactly right. That's a major... It really is. And and interestingly enough, most people don't even know that. Uh, There's a survey that was done by the CPA financial planners that determined that the majority of people do not know that deferring their, taking their Social Security benefit is going to increase that benefit. You know, we have Kurt Zarnowski on the program, and he really hammers that a little bit. But, you know, I was thinking... If I was going to put one thing in the in more important, I would have said, well, okay, what about the retirement benefit, the portfolio? And you're saying, no, it's still exactly what he says. It is still lining it up and making sure Social Security is chosen properly before you retire. That's correct. And that's that's critical. And we're not saying don't pay attention to your portfolio. That would be foolish. But it does come into looking at everything comprehensively. As a firm, that's what we do for our clients. But most importantly is don't get so caught up on – I'm going to retire at this age. I'm going to take Social Security at this age without doing a proper analysis. That's a great question. Well, great comment. Let's just uh, put this in perspective. We're talking about questions to get answered before you retire. Now, we've already asked one of the toughest questions I thought about asking was, is your portfolio more important? David, he says, David Rochester says, no, you need to make sure you know how you're choosing to pick the time that you're going to take Social Security. We're going to come back in a few minutes. We're going to ask him some more questions about not only taking the Social Security, but how much of that should you be looking at for the length of time you're going to be retired. Stay with us because you're listening, of course, to KWA. 
AM 990 and FM 107.9. This is Talk Radio for the Mid-South. I'm Jim Shoemaker, and you're listening to Talk Money. If you have questions you'd like to have answered on the program, email them to talkmoney at shoemakerfinancial.com. We'll be right back with Talk Money after this. When Nazi Germany achieved a surprise victory over France in 1940, an alarmed President Roosevelt immediately began expanding national defense industries at a breathtaking rate, which greatly altered the face of the Mid-South. Within a year, two major defense industries were operating in Shelby County. Memphis became the U.S. 2nd Army Headquarters, where training for the half-million soldiers stationed in Tennessee was conducted. The nation's only inland naval base was established in Millington. Workers were hired wherever they could be found, and local factories were retooled for wartime production. During the war, the Ford plant was used to make airplane engines, Quaker Oats manufactured synthetic rubber, and Firestone produced rubber life rafts. Of the 40,000 men and women from Shelby County who served in our armed forces during World War II, 662 were either killed or missing in action. Among those who served, African Americans from the Mid-South fought with exceptional bravery and honor and contributed in countless ways to the defeat of Germany and Japan. One African American from Memphis who served with distinction was Captain Luke Weathers, who flew with the famed Tuskegee Airmen and shot down seven enemy planes. Weathers once said of Memphis before he died that this is a city that has its feet in the Mississippi, its souls in the churches, and its minds up in the blue sky with God. This has been another Mid-South History Moment, brought to you by Shoemaker Financial. This material represents an assessment of the market environment at a specific point in time and is not intended to be a forecast of future events or a guarantee of future results, research, investment advice, or a recommendation to purchase or sell a security. And now back to Talk Money with your host, Jim Shoemaker. Welcome back. I'm Jim Shoemaker. You're listening to Talk Money. And, of course, we're talking with David Rochester, who is a retirement income certified professional. He's answering some questions that we all need to get answered before you retire. Now, here's the reality. So many people kind of let retirement happen. You spent your lifetime working. You've just kind of gone through that process. As you get close, you think, uh-oh, i got to do some work. Well, David's kind of telling us, no, think about it now. Whether you're 25 or 45 or 65, it's a process. It's a journey. And he's kind of giving us some ideas about moving through that and saying, I'm going to make sure that I looked at the overall overall portfolio, overall thought process of just retiring, not just thinking about stocks and bonds, your investments and your 401k plan, but Social Security and all that process of knowing and where you're going to be living. So we're going to talk quite in depth about a couple of those big questions. Now, David, you talked about Social Security before the break. Should everyone plan to retire and start taking, and you said, I asked the question, should everybody start taking their retirement at 60, income at Social Security income at 65? You said no. You should be thinking about it. You've given us some statistics, one being Social Security, if you don't take it at 65 or you don't start at 62, it increases beginning at 66, which is full retirement for most people, about 7% a year. That's correct. That's a huge number when you think about it. Now, help me out. If I am deferring my Social Security, am I retired at that time too? Or should you? are you saying no if you're deferring it? Keep working if you can. Absolutely. If you can defer taking your benefit and continue working, we're gonna, you're going to build that guaranteed 
uh, income in the future. And that's the Social Security income I'm referring to. Does that impact the spouse? I mean, is that, that absolutely it does? So particularly if you if you're going to be the the uh, we'll call it the higher breadwinner, whether it's husband or wife, irrelevant. Um, if that person dies, so you're taking your benefit. If you die, your spouse may be dependent on that benefit, and they may get a significant step up if you've waited. Uh, by deferring to take your Social Security income. So the larger Social Security benefit transfers to the spouse. Surviving spouse, that surviving. is correct. That's a, that's, a, that's a good benefit. People need to keep that in mind. So, all right, now let, let me just dive into the thought process. Is it is it really complicated or that complicated to manage a retirement portfolio, to have enough income? I mean, so many people get caught up in their 401K, and, you know, they get concerned. I mean, they, they, I mean I've mean, i watched it this past time when we went through this 10 years ago, uh, the, the whole idea of the recession. Everybody moved from stocks and bonds over to cash. Then they waited five years and finally moved back. And so it's why do people get caught up in movement in their portfolio versus just letting it stay alone, you know, doing the long-term retirement? Good good question. So the, the technical term for that is called freaking out. Uh, so when your when your portfolio drops and you're either in retirement or you're real close to retirement, and you see your portfolio start to decline, the natural assumption is this is going to continue. It's just going to keep going down. And as we've seen, as in 08 and in our tenure prior times, it goes back up. Now, depending on what the portfolio is made up of, of course. And so there's t- there's this temptation to want to tying what's going on based on our time frame of I'm going to retire in a few years. What we forget is we may be retired 30 years plus. You've heard me say on the program many times, my wife's grandmother's 105. Okay, yeah. Well, she was 104 probably the last time we talked. She just turned 105 in March. Um, and I have many clients living into their 90s. So we have to plan for a long retirement. When you think about that, it's, it's, it is, it's more difficult because of that today. When I started in the business uh, several several years ago, it was uh, if I could get somebody to 65, they retired. And basically their mortality was 72, 75. I mean, somebody lived to be 78, 80 was tremendous longevity. Today, 80 is, is 82 is the norm. That's right. So 80 is the new 50. Exactly. Oh, that's good. That's good. <laughs> So what are some of the decisions that are more difficult as they age? Well, okay, a couple of things I want to talk about, Jim, is that if you think about uh, in the past, historically, if you retired in your 60s, you could live off of income from CDs, um, your pensions, Social Security, interest-bearing type of of accounts, or even bonds that paid a dividend. But with, in a low interest rate environment, that's going to be extremely difficult. It takes a lot more money to accomplish that today. Hmm. Okay. So we're talking about total portfolio management, not just interest-bearing investments. So with low interest rates, if they're going to go up, which they look like they may do that, the bottom line is uh, with if inflation gets heated up, you're going to have to manage around that inflation issue long-term if we see higher rates. Higher interest rates. That's correct. And I think the other thing we want to do sometimes is people think, well, I made 8% on my money last year, therefore I can take 8% this year. That's great. It's not necessarily the case. Great point. Well, this is Jim Shoemaker. We're with David Rochester. We're talking about retirement questions that you need to have answered before you retire. You're listening, of course, to FM 107.9 AM 990. This is Talk Money. Podcasts for Talk Money are available for iOS mobile devices in the iTunes Store. Just search Shoemaker Financial. We'll be right back with Talk Money after this. And now back to Talk Money with your host, Jim Shoemaker. 
Welcome back. I'm Jim Shoemaker. We're talking with David Rochester. We're answering questions that need to get answered before you retire. I mean, it's one of those situations where, you know, it's not going to just happen perfectly. Everybody thinks, well, hey, the date is December the 31st, 2018, or maybe it's June the 30th of 2019, whatever it is. But, you know, it's going to be one of those things you've got to do some planning for. So I've asked David to come up with some questions that you need to get answered. And the reality is we think they're important questions. You may have many, many other questions. That's fine. But these are questions that we feel that if you really spend the time thinking through it, they will help you make good, solid decisions before you retire. That's the key word there, before, not after you retire. David, does it really take much money today to have a successful retirement. I mean, I get this idea that people want to live, you know, almost they, they, they go into retirement. I say this a lot on the program. You know, you're going from watching the 60-inch, you know, flat screen, color, great HDMI TV. They don't want to start day after the next day after retirement watching the 12-inch black, black and white. white right? right. So really, tell me about how does it, in a person's life, how does it look those first years and the latter years of retirement? Well, that's a great question. There's this temptation early on because we've, we've set a certain standard of living uh, to want to spend just like we've been spending. Uh, maybe we've got bucket list items that we haven't accomplished. Um, or if we're in the case of we want we, maybe we need to help friends or we want to give more to charity or maybe even help family. So we've got to be cautious about that in the early years of, of really ramping things up too fast in anticipation that we're not going to live long because statistics show that one in four people that are 65 today are going to live past the age of 90. You mentioned that earlier. You mentioned yes. it with your grandmother. And so people need to think that way. Now, I want people to understand this is not about the, uh, the you personally. It's about the individual that says, okay, I've got to ask a question. All right, if you've got a historical family that's been living for a long period of time, you need the question you should be asking, what should I be doing if I live, if I happen to be one of the privileged ones to live to be 85, 90 and one in four today will will live past ninety years old. That's just something a statistic that you've got. That's a big number. And so we think about that. If if we get too aggressive in our spending early on, we may end up having to downsize later in life, or we could potentially become dependent financially on others. I know we do a lot of work where we try to help people understand what they're trying to do with that, and that's critical with that. They have to think about their planning process that they can't outlive their money. I know. One of the biggest fears that people have is just really running out of money. Right. Then there's the issue of, particularly as we get elderly, older, are we going to run into an issue of health care where that could really ramp our costs back up, irregardless of whether we've you know, spent at a high level early on. We've got to consider those latter years. Well, I know that that's one of the, that's one of the biggest things that people say, you know, my health care cost is so much, and so how do I plan around that? What would you suggest for people to do at that stage? Well, I think they need, again, to look at everything uh, comprehensively. Uh, statistics show 70% of people are going to have a need for long-term care assistance, ergo maybe nursing home or in-home or custodial care. That's, that's a large percentage when we're already saying people are living longer, and that's very expensive. We're dealing with that with two family members as I speak. So... That's that's what we've got to confront. Medicare is not going to cover all the costs. No, people, it's not. People think that that's going to just take care of everything, but it's really not going to do that. Right. People assume Medicare, and they really haven't researched it. I would suggest that they do or reach out to someone that can help them with that because at the end of the day, Medicare will only cover some of those costs. The rest becomes 
out-of-pocket cost, or perhaps you've retained an insurance policy to pay for some of those costs. All right, we've been talking with David Rochester, and he's been giving us the questions that you need to get answered before you retire. Now, I led out with this whole idea because the volatility we've seen in the market in the last couple of weeks, how critical is it to have the exact right investments in your portfolio? David said, not as much as you might think, but it is more important that you choose the proper time. Am I saying this right, David? Right. You're saying exactly right, Jim, and I think you've got to look at having Guaranteed income streams. We don't use the word guaranteed much in our field because things can change so much. But, but you're talking about Social Security. I'm talking about Social Security or pensions, correct. And so it's not the investment portfolio. It's about do, do the proper planning, choosing the time to take out your Social Security and start using that. And so many people take it too early. So think about that. Get the proper amount of advice to do that and, and work through that process of thinking about it. And, again, how about looking at it? Is it complicated to manage your retirement and manage past? Not as much as you think. You just need to get a good plan, go through that process, and also think about you're going to be living a long, long time. Medicare is not going to cover everything, so plan to have insurance costs, medical insurance costs, after your retirement. Today's program has been a, a great program for me. I've enjoyed You guys have done a great job. We had Shannon Dyson, Dane Williams in the first half of the program. Home, auto, and umbrella coverage. Why do you have it? What's the amount of the cost? Is it the proper cost? What's the product? You should be knowing that particular product. Does it fit you? David Rochester helped us with questions that you should get answered before you retire. I appreciate you listening. Thanks so much for being a part of today's program. This is Talk Money. Jim Shoemaker and David Rochester are registered representatives and investment advisor representatives of Securian Financial Services, Inc. Dane Williams is a registered representative of Securian Financial Services, securities dealer, member FNIRA, SIPC, a registered investment advisor. Shoemaker Financial is independently owned and operated. Talk Money is produced by Greg Ratliff. Guest and content coordination, Francis Fortner. Production assistant, Eleanor Moskovitz. Compliance officer, Tommy Armstrong. Mid-South History Moment, Rebecca Brazier and Drew Johnson. We'll see you next week on Talk Money.